1: Yes, that's a great. That's a good piss time. That's like it's I, not his Olympic. Solid. I, I I peed too fast and I hurt. <laughs> I
2: peed Johnny,
3: too fast. you
4: pulled a muscle. <laughs> I peed too fast. Guys, I help me. Pee yeah, peed too
3: fast. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, I peed <laughs> too fast again. It happened again, I peed too fast.
0: I'm too fast, I'm still peeing
3: oh, I keep, oh, peeing. No. I keep peeing, I keep peeing I keep doing fast it, I got so excited to pee It
2: all came out at once
3: it was, uh. like, it was like If you ever have a bucket And the bucket's too full the and, then, and then and then it accidentally spills Then it spills everything Because you didn't mean to But then it, it just <laughs> went over And the whole bucket fell into the toilet
4: <laughs> we are And, four and minutes people and could 40 seconds seconds in and already I am struggling to keep it together. Okay.
1: 24 <laughs> minutes into our <a> recording process. <laughs> and also people complain online. They notice how much piss stuff shows up in this show. That's the thing. Everybody who said nice things to Nathan the London podcast thing was like, "Oh, oh, I really like Skyjacks except for all the piss stuff which is most of the show because I love that."
2: <laughs> uh. Bring on the piss!
4: <laughs>
2: <Whoa>.
4: <laughs> there are there are definitely actual play podcasts out here that have more piss than this. Oh show. yeah, oh
3: yeah. Well, we've got to change that, boys. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> gotta get that ratio. Up.
0: <sighs> piss up, everyone!
1: <laughs> okay, okay, okay. It's time to do our jobs, folks. And I'm that's. Gonna-
0: I'm gonna turn this fan off.
2: <laughs> okay. Oh, turn the fan off. Yes. yes. Oh, I I know how to turn the fans on, and that's more piss talk. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to take a drink of water then. God. I didn't. Um, hey, I we bought. Hey, that we bought. Was keep drinking. The, the more you drink, the more you piss. <laughs> that was.
1: it Was actually clever, and was, it makes me yeah. First, I want to check in with Jonnet. Jonnet, you are in the air on Metatron's back. You know, it is night most of what you can see about what, what, what is going on beneath you is thanks to the lamp lights and torches along the Uhuru and the Silver Bullet, but also the glow of the featherweave sails on both ships. Right now, you can see in the Silver Bullet specifically, there is that deep blood red glow coming from the few patches of true weave on the sails of their envelope because they're having to burn their engines extra hot just to stay in the air. They no longer have the help of the buoyancy of the hot air held within their envelope to keep them aloft. They have to depend on the pure forceful heat of the Furnaces driving the feather weave away from the ship in order to prevent themselves from sinking into the water beneath them. Because right now we are along a river delta. And the thing about sky ships is, even if they were converted from sailing ships, they were fully converted. These ships are not designed to be buoyant anymore. The sides of their hulls are cut out to create large cargo doors. More cannon bays have been added. Even if wood floats, it is not doing anything to prevent itself from taking on water. So without burning up pretty much all of the fuel they have, uh, unless they're able to repair their sails very quickly, They face sinking into the river, which is not as bad as sinking into the ocean, but we have established that these horrible seal creatures are there, (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. and no one wants to get kissed by that rose on the gray. So we- (laughs) (laughs) What? <laughs> what?
0: what? James. I ask. mean, I got it. And you know what? Bravo. Bravo.
3: But also, you could see like the thought coming into James's mind. And he's like, "Yes, I'm doing it." Now. Uh,
1: I'm I'm trying to say yes to more things in life. Uh, and <laughs> most of those things are bad puns. Mm-hmm. Um So, it like the chaos of of your evening has kind of like washed over you a little bit Mm -hmm. in that you got into the sky under very tense circumstances and then were dangling for your life for a period of it and then being shot at by a shotgun for a period of it. You finally regained control. You managed to cast a a very taxing spell, but it managed to take down this enemy ship. Like there is a moment where, where you get To to feel some relief. And I don't even want to call for a spot check from this. Like, you you have that relief, you you look over your work, you you see the Uhuru is like kind of pulling into stability near the silver bullet, which is essentially grounded. And then you see three lantern lights take off from the silver bullet. And you know that those must be more birds. So, Janet, what are you thinking? What do you do?
0: I feel like in that very, very brief calm where he's kind of processing out, oh, this is what just happened, and I think we're out of it, I was gonna say I was gonna ask like, what do y'all think the 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 skyjack's equivalent of the middle finger is? But then also, the, the middle finger is flipping someone the bird, so I feel like it might just be <laughs> the middle oh, finger. Mm. <laughs> mm. Oh man, can we just make it? It's the middle finger, but it's upside down. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I like that.
0: <laughs> um, so oh, yeah, you're
1: pointing at the ground yeah. or the sea. Yeah. I think that's great. Oh man,
0: I feel like in in the world of Sky Pirate, like to ground someone, that's like to knock somebody out or something like that. You ground. Yeah, you grounded. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so he's like, ah, okay, okay, and then he like. Downward middle fingers to this skyship and is like and stay down and then like double pats Metatron is like that was truly insane and you're so cool for riding with me on that or letting me ride you with that and then you know what I mean. And then he looks up and sees he starts to trail off and sees the three lights, and we see his shoulders kind of fall because. The kid is depleted and so he's like, No, 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 come on and then he like gives uh, Metatron a little little kick and like kind of flies back up towards the Uhuru because he's he's not he's not doing that by himself.
1: Yeah. And I, I think at this time, Johnnet, you can see that launching from either side of the Uhuru with their own lanterns are Lucas and Flea. Um, yeah. <laughs> I feel like
0: in that, Johnnet immediately thinks like,
1: oh, Travis Gable, this, <laughs> our, we gotta, they'll, they'll help. <laughs> they can take care of this. Oh, J- I, uh, Tyler, what is the immediate signal about fleas launch that lets you know that it is not one of your more competent friends on, mm-hmm. on this bird's back? What, <laughs> what happens? John, it
0: sees one lantern immediately disembark from the Uhuru he, it's like one lantern comes out and then beep beep beat and then you see another lantern like light up but that's already like left the Uhuru so they didn't have the lantern on when they left the ship and that's like an immediate red flag. Neither Gable nor Travis would fly without already having their lantern ready to go. And so it's just like a what? No, uh who's on this bird?
1: <laughs> yeah. We zoom down through the air to see pliff on the back of flea. This is a different looking person than, than, than the pliff probably that you know, because somewhere inside him oh, that's right. is, is a spark of confidence that he got on this magical bachelor party weekend. Uh, <laughs> this is someone who is in a tense situation, who knows that the crew is depending on him, but also knows that he can do this. <laughs> It is, of course, still pliff. So the lantern does immediately fall off of Flea and <laughs> bounce into the, the river delta below. We zoom back to Jonnet as Jonnet sees that lantern light get immediately extinguished. Oh, we only um, have
0: so many lanterns.
1: And oh, no. the, spotter, the then the spots on the Uhuru all turn across the water. You can see kind of their faint beams. I, I don't exactly know what technology is allowing spotlights. I know that there is like some sort of concave mirror that the Uhuru has to like focus lights so that, that we can get spotlights. But I'm really interested to know what they're burning and what not to do it. Anyway, those spots are turned onto in the water a box that is now floating along the river and you can see the birds that are lit up, you can see them all headed towards it. These three birds coming from the silver bullet and the two coming from the Uhuru and of course you, Jonat, having the advantage of height, being able to see kind of how this whole situation is going on, because like you took out the envelope of the silver bullet while it was still higher in the air. And the Uhuru has been basically constantly diving to a super low elevation before you brought the silver bullet down onto the same level. So you have altitude on this whole situation. What are you doing?
0: Yeah, I think Jonnet is going to start like a dive that would put him on the same level as everybody. But if you look at like the trajectory of the three dots converging on the box and the two dots, Jonathan's going to try to kind of put himself behind the three dots because Jonathan doesn't have a lantern. Um, Mm -hmm. And so as depleted as the kid is, he's going to try and use that as some kind of advantage if
1: need be. I like that a lot. This sounds like I need from you a dive maneuver and an accelerate maneuver. Okay. So that's just going to move you a range band down and you have a, I need a roll. Uh, How much are you trying to accelerate?
0: I honestly, probably not a lot. I I think I'm I'm going to like he's very tired so he's doing this but he's definitely done this faster at many stages before in his life so an average acceleration yeah,
1: so yeah so yeah you're making you're making an average riding check you are going to have a blue die because you are diving at the same time
0: okay I can, I can, I can fly. all right so oh, cool so that's going to be two successes and an advantage
1: all right. Well, like the normal cruising speed I, I think for Metatron, like the minimum is three. So that is gonna get you five speed. So you you are cruising along pretty quickly. You are going to be within reach of everyone. By by the end of this maneuver and you know moving fast enough that you have some speed to like spend on different actions and whatnot. I would like to ask for volunteers. Who would like to be Pliff and who would like to be Jane in this huh. circumstance? Control these, these folks' actions. I, I just want to know. Hmm. Uh, All right, I'm gonna be assigning things. Yes. Now. yes. <laughs> Liz? You're Pliff! Oh, Congratulations! James! N-
4: Nathan, you're Jane. All right. Okay. Jane. <laughs> Fuck it. Hey. Well. We can uh. switch if you want. I can no. be Pliff if you want. Okay. No. <laughs> no.
1: Fine. No. Nathan can't be Plyff because Nathan's too good.
3: <laughs> <laughs> fine.
1: Let's, uh, Nathan, I do want to start with you. Let, let, let's start with Jane. Jane did launch a little bit after Pliff, and Jane is on the back of
4: Lucas. Lucas is the big, beautiful- The white peacock. Super the, cool. My favorite.
3: James. Getting a call. James. Wow.
4: Wow. ringer is on.
3: I swear to God, we've done this three times. This is
0: the on time.
3: What's
1: I, wild is recorded that my spouse is pregnant, and that was the pizza that came to our door <laughs> to sustain the life of my unborn child.
3: Turn it on vibrate, James. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of- It still makes
2: noise. I still uh, got to answer the, it. The fact that it is ever not- I My phone has not been on not vibrate in 15
3: years.
0: You, I, yeah. Very fair.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Ancient man who refuses to change despite the floor. Do you have a fucking ring back to <laughs> I, I,
1: I don't have the ring back anymore. But there was there was a period. There was a period of my life mm-hmm. where longer than I care to admit. Mm-hmm. I was in Chicago doing improv classes while That's, this ring back existed is too in my late. life. That is, too that late is way to too late. late. Mm-hmm. But I did, yes, I did have that ring back. Um,
3: if you put it on vibrate and you put it in a pocket, then only you feel it. And then you can I'm check called. it secretly instead of interrupting I know. No, the good, good work it gives that me we time do to send here to at Campaign oh, Skyjacks.
4: <laughs> Bad combat. I
3: swear um, to God. James.
4: It's all good. It's all good. We're fine. We're fine. Um, Also,
0: don't pin this on Mel. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Don't bring Mel Mel in it. Don't make Mel a bad guy. Hey,
2: James, can you order me a pizza and also make sure your phone has a ringer and it's turned all the way up?
3: Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) (sighs) Okay. Okay. I'm not going to start this recording again. Mm. Turn it on Vibrant. I want to
1: see it. So I don't have it. I don't have it. It's not with me. Your
3: phone? Um, Where did it go? Daily detorted.
1: My spouse is talking to the pizza people. What happened? They put the cheese on the the bottom and the crust on top. Oh,
0: no. Cheesy bottom pizza. They (laughs) made it backwards.
1: Okay, so back to back to Jane. Jane is launching from the side of the boat. Like Lucas doesn't have the most endurance, uh, mm. doesn't have the most speed, but like you, you definitely know the stakes. You you were able
4: to see the cargo get pushed off the ship before mm. you launched. What does she do? I think, uh, you know, has a moment of like slow motion. Looks at the cargo. Looks at Plieth this little heart emojis round pliff when they look there. Mm. Uh,
3: <laughs> Involuntary, but there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Plif uh, looks is like, like sniffing <laughs> because his nose is a little bit runny for no reason.
4: Mm-hmm. I, I assumed they're partnered as far as I recall. Is that right? Or am I... Uh, do I have... That? So... <laughs>
1: It's a complicated history because they were on a previous iteration of this show together before they joined us in the Skyjacks universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, what uh, There was a simmering tension between them and that other show that never really came to a head. Mm. Then they came into this universe. And the one thing that we learned about Jane is that she said she does not go anywhere without Plif, mm. uh and that they're a package deal, mm. which is
4: the only reason that we're dealing with Pliff right now. Mm. So it might be a, a Helga Pataki and Arnold mm-hmm. kind of circumstance. Yeah. You where, love that? I love, yes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, little hearts around Cliff, looks <laughs> at the distance, uh, these three kind of approaching rival birds, and she knows what to do. Uh, she turns around or angles at Cliff and is like, secure the cargo. I'll play defense. Ooh. and kind of wells, <laughs> yes. that's um, why Pliff drops his lantern
1: <laughs> he's trying to what he doesn't launch with the lantern and
3: he's I didn't like, know I oh, had to hear gotcha. <laughs> oh god oh I've dropped it now <laughs> my hands are too slippery from a candy bar that melted in my pocket <laughs> <laughs> uh, she, she
4: uh, mutters to herself oh you dork and she like <laughs> wrangles Lucas to to face the direction of the oncoming birds, ready to intercept. Nathan,
1: with two greens and a yellow, mm-hmm. I would like you to roll for a perception check. Mm. versus. You're running many? defense. I want it to be average, but give two black dice because this is okay. at
4: night. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Let's party. Uh, that is those counts. Oh, no. <laughs> mm, mm, it's bad. It's a wash. Should do. Okay.
1: Wash. Oh. All right. Which means I, oh, I need to grab a luminary. And of course.
3: They're where your phone is.
1: <laughs> Sorry. When I open the box of luminaries, there's going to be a ring back real quick. <laughs> it is going to be the John Williams Superman theme. Side
0: note. As my as my girlfriend was leaving the house today, <laughs> she was like, "Bye, have fun recording." Because I, I I had y'all in my monitors before my headphones. And she was like, "Bye, have fun recording." Everyone talks like a podcaster, even you. Love you, bye. <laughs> <laughs> <You're> <laughs> yeah, Presentational. Oh, that <laughs> sucks. <laughs> and it's like it's like I don't. We can't help it. We've been doing it for four years. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, what happened? What was it? We got we got the Star Watcher, hey. which I think is really good for this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, the Star Watcher indicates. Guidance, wisdom, and clarity. Mm-hmm. I, I think because it is at night, and because you are on the wrong side of their lanterns, that the spotlights of your ships or your ship are more focused on the cargo that got pushed out of the hull. And you know, your lantern light helps you see a little bit, but is is not really going to help you see past it. Jane is relying on other like visual indicators to determine what they are facing. Mm. The other birds that got launched from the silver bullet were smaller birds. They they were sparrows and pigeons, mostly. Mm -hmm. But you can see, because of the size of the lanterns, the size of the disturbance over the water, that these birds are larger. None of them, not a single one, is nearly as large as any of the birds that are on the Uhuru. Mm. Uh, you know, a gray-headed albatross, a red-tailed hawk, uh, and a peacock, especially these are all enormous birds, much, much, much larger than than many birds that come from ships. But these ones, you know, I, I would say are medium-sized birds based on like the kind of like scant reflections that, that Jane gets like trying to shine their lantern at these various birds and uncover what they are. I think you manage to understand that one of them is a grackle that is like kind of a a smaller crow. So that means a couple things. It means primarily that this bird is very smart. You know, all griffins are more intelligent than their mundane counterparts, but crows and parrots and whatnot, these are birds that are able to act on their own even without the command of a human rider, and they make quick tactical decisions of their own in combat situations, which can be a very dangerous thing to face in the sky. You know, most bird riders are dealing with, well, I understand the situation. I give my bird a command. That bird follows the command. That is like two or three steps ahead or behind a crow that goes, I understand the situation and I know what I'm supposed to do in it. Mm-hmm. So, Grackle is kind of terrifying. The other shining this light, you get like a, a hint of like a, a red, almost waddle or pouch beneath this bird. You realize. It's a swift mm. and swifts are nasty flyers. They do all kinds of that. Not only do they move fast, but they can do all kinds of like stunts in the air. They are capable of, of a type of mobility that most birds are not. The other based on its relative size, like you think it's probably going to be either a, a pigeon or sparrow which means its it's got a shorter range. It is not really going to be able to carry a piece of cargo like what got pushed off the ship, mm-hmm. meaning that that bird is going to be someone they have running on aggression, someone who is going to be fighting to protect the other birds while they try to get at the cargo. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, Star Watcher has your back. You get a good lay of the land.
4: That swift has to be handled and quickly. All right. Liz, let's cut over to Jane.
1: Yes. Um, you mean Plip? Or pliff, to pliff. Let's cut over to pliff. You've just dropped your lantern. Oh. You are in the middle of a big hero moment, though. Like you know what is needed of you. You've already risked your life today, and this is just another like step of that. So, so what is pliff gonna do? <laughs>
3: uh, I like the idea that pliff has all intentions of going to the cargo and getting it all locked up and preparing it for the huru to hook it, but messes it up so bad that he accidentally attacks the other birds. I
1: like this. I like this. Liz, what I would like you to do for me is to roll a ride check. It, it is going to be two greens and a yellow using oh, okay. our, our standard crew rules. And I would like it to be hard.
3: That's three? Yep. That is a success, in a threat. Ooh.
1: Perfect. Perfect. Okay. So what this is going to be, you are on Flea, who is the fastest bird on the Uhuru by a wide margin. Gray-headed albatross are some of the fastest birds in the world. I think they're really only outranked by like Paragon Falcons and that's pretty much only in a dive. Uh, they can go like 67 miles per hour, like straight. So I think Pliff gives the order for Flea to speed up. Come on, and-
3: Flea, we gotta go get the cargo. I'm gonna be the big hero man, me, Pliff. Oh wait, <laughs> this candy bar has stained my pants. Oh. <laughs>
1: And then the G's kick in. Like uh, there's a beat of these wings and flea moves fast. Flea, like gray headed albatross, like at full flap, they are like bullets. Um, And I think because this bird is so big, the wind that it is displacing reflects in like a cone around the water, like anime style. There is this massive plume of water uh, that beats behind this bird as its powerful wings move over the water. Um, And I think the way that you are attacking the enemy birds is you are displacing so much wind by going so fast on such a large creature that you are going to create chaotic wind conditions that are going to deeply impair everything that the enemy birds try to do um, in, in this fight. I think Flea moves in and Flea used to working either with Gable or people who are like in Gable's posse. Like, oh, if I'm in this fight, I'm flying aggression. That's what I do. <laughs> so you move kind of in circles around these birds. And <laughs> like... the. I, I think the Swift might be okay, but like everyone else who's not like especially a, a strong type of flyer is really having to work to regain control in these circumstances. So they're going to be greatly hindered getting an extra purple die on kind of everything they do because of that. Hey heroes, it's James, your game master, and welcome to the mid-roll. First up, we've got a radvertisement. This one comes to us from Ellie, and it goes out to Nim. To my beautiful lighthouse keeper, my forest bat, my darling. By the time this is read out, you will finally have been allowed to cross the state border after so many months apart, and you'll nearly be done with quarantine. Welcome home, my love. I have been so lucky to have you in my life already, and I'm so excited for our lives in the same city to begin. I can't wait to hug you. Endless love from your Ellie. Oh my goodness, congratulations, Nim. I hope you have a wonderful homecoming, and I wish you both all the comfort and strength the union has to offer. If you would like to have your own message read out on our show, whether it's personal or professional, head over to oneshotpodcast.com. Navigate over to the Contact Us bar and hit Radvertise, and there you'll be able to book your own slot. Not only does this allow you to put very sweet messages like this on the air, but it also sponsors our show, and we deeply appreciate it. Heroes, One Shot is adding a new podcast to the network. Iron Etta Reforged was created and will be hosted by Tracy Barnett, who you might recognize as the editor of One Shot. Iron Etta Reforged revolves around a cyberpunk take on Nordic myth where the bodies and bones of giants are used to run a massive network in favor of decadent gods. Well, humanity suffers on the sidelines. It's got an amazing cast like Alex Flanagan from A Horror Borealis, B-Zelda from The Broadswords, and Jeff Stormer from All My Fantasy Children and Party of One. We're currently funding the first season of the podcast on Kickstarter, but that podcast also comes with a different video actual play production. This one also starring B. Zelda, and Danny, who you might recognize from Board Games TikTok as your emotional support himbo, and DJ, or Big Bees, who you'll probably recognize from the recent run of A Price of Coal on One Shot. These are two amazing actual plays in one cool universe created by Tracy Barnett, and we are hoping to have it made. Right now, at the time of this recording, there are nine days left to fund this project, and we'd love to see some more One Shot heroes come out and support. So if you like Nordic mythology and cyberpunk, now is your time. Head over to the Iron IronEdit Kickstarter page or just follow the link in our show notes to give your support. And remember, if you don't have funds to contribute to a project, sharing that project is the next best thing. Before we get back to the show, I want to take a quick moment and thank some of our backers on Patreon. First off, we have some name corrections. Madeline Hart, thank you. And Will Ewell, thank you so much. Now then, on to the rest. Gallant Charlie. Thank you so much. Sarcussus, Thank you. Nathaniel Letterman. Thank you very much. Eileen Rockwell. Thank you. Emergen Styles. Thank you so much. The Purple Dungeon Squid. Thank you. Gippy Too. Thank you very much. Moose Lane. Thank you so much. Saffron A-S. Thank you. Brian Holt. Thank you so much. Chase Samuelson thank you very much. Luke Zuber, thank you. Asexual Anders, thank you very much. Mike Coral. thank you. John Ashby, thank you so much. Jonathan Michael, thank you very much. Jupiter Anne, thank you. And Emily Simmons, thank you so much. Thanks again to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Without you, we wouldn't be able to make incredible programs like this. Heroes, I am expecting the new bonus series for Skyjacks to hit our Patreon before the end of October. So if you want to be able to hear that series as soon as it comes out, please head over to patreon.com slash one-shot podcast and sign up to become a supporter. Not only will that get you access to our new series, but it will get you access to every series that we've produced thus far. That includes the Jolly Jack crossover with the Courier's Call Kids, which could play an incredibly important role in our new upcoming series. Again, a huge thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon. You're listening to what you're hearing now because of everyone who's come out to support us so far. Now then, with all of that out of the way... Let's get back in the sky. I would like to now cut back to the ship and specifically Oromar.
4: Mm
1: -hmm. Oromar, You have just, like, killed the leader of this little rebellion on your ship. What is your next step?
4: (laughs) Oromar turns away, because there were multiple other rowdy Rs in the kind of, like, loading bay when this kind of scene occurred. So Oromar, having extended a hand and let go of Rocco, letting the lifeless body fall into the river, turns round to the other people in the cargo area, hand dripping with blood, sharp bone jutting out of the fingertips, and stares at the other members of the Rowdy R's.
1: Yes, there is lantern light in this room, and it flickers, creating shadows across Oromar's face. The glint of his eyes and the blood that has come from their former leader is the only thing that really catches the light. Well, I I suppose, of course, the gold and jewels that adorn Oromar's hair. Mm. We can see behind him, under the moonlight and the water, Rocco's body floating gently on the waves of the river before the turmoil of these seals tearing it to pieces appears behind him I think you've got a very intimidating aura that has definitely cowed a lot of the room what are you gonna
4: do with it this is a big question like uh, Nathan isn't necessarily sure about how to handle mutinies. Mutinies number 101 didn't come up in my university degree, but uh, at the same time... <clears throat> That's not standard for British schooling anymore? Weirdly, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, at the same time, everybody has been thrown around really heavily, and Oromar needs to do triage to make sure that everybody who isn't a traitor is actually physically okay. Mm. <laughs> um mm-hmm. The cargo is, you know, what they were trying to secure is currently off the boat right now. So trying to secure Correct. that is no longer really a priority anymore. Is there a way to kind of like cool other areas of the ship? Is there like a little like pipe system? Mm. Well,
3: there's a pipe too.
1: The, yeah. I, yeah, yep. <laughs> I think, and uh, th- there are probably also bells mm. um, or whistles. Somebody. Pointed out to me recently on Twitter that uh, ship whistles are, are a thing of like just using a very simple whistle. It is a high pitched, like kind of shrill thing. Mm-hmm. So it'll carry very loud over short distances. And it would be a way that people would communicate during high wind situations.
4: So Perfect. You've got options. Yeah. Uh, I, I like the idea of it being a whistle. Oromar is not in a position to be able to speak, but they can inhale and exhale air. Mm-hmm. um the oh, their lung functions like that work well enough it's probably and, uh, like
2: because you don't have to breathe i imagine but they can still like do it
4: yeah i, I think that like, in in the same oh. way that we've got uh, infinite soul spider strings that are pulling the parts of the body around to operate the lungs is just the matter of pulling the lungs to expand and contract mm-hmm. uh-huh. Find control over such is uh, uh, the thing to be discussed, <laughs> but and in fact, Orimar goes over to the whistle for the. I like the idea that there may be slightly different pitched for different areas of the ship, so you might be able to tell mm. where that's coming from. Oh, I like mm. that. Takes a huge breath, like we see the form of Orimar expand notably, as there is like a sonic blast of air into the whistle like almost a small explosion it probably breaks the like ball and filter inside the whistle that (laughs) makes it operate so this whistle is now inoperable but with the sheer blast of air that kind of comes from orimar into this tiny metal whistle
0: (laughs) he's got to have like backups at the ready this is not the first
1: time like that's happened (laughs) Yeah, Oromar used to just be able to do that when he was a living man. Oh, yeah. no,
4: I, I I kind of want this to be uh, uh, not actually control because he's still, I think he's, okay. he's still panicking slightly internally. Gotcha, gotcha. A lot of the kind of like pointed violence that has occurred has been instinctive and reactionary mm. rather than tactical. So oh, he doesn't intend to go this deep into the thing and just blows this whistle out and trying to call people to this area. <laughs>
3: Like buying a bunch of cargo in Goni, and then th- this, the person checking, like, I also have a 100 count <laughs> order of whistles. You sure you need that many? Because,
0: <laughs> because honestly, whole- I can, if, at, a, at 150, we just give you a, a BOGO 50. You get 200 whistles if you get 50 more whistles.
1: One of these whistles should last you your whole life. <laughs> You shouldn't need another whistle. <laughs> We're well, we three whistle guys. We whistle are that...
3: experts. We are brothers. <laughs> we love whistles.
0: <laughs> we do love whistles and we just sell them for a fair price.
2: Y'all talking <laughs> whistles without me? You're not a partner yet.
3: You're too young. <laughs> well, you gotta grow I'm...
0: into this responsibility.
2: But I've got a passion for
1: whistles.
3: <laughs> not until you're seventy-five.
1: <laughs> the Whistle Brothers slice of life anime, uh Ungoni Whistle Brothers, is definitely something that I'm interested <laughs> in watching, but perhaps not right now. Next. Okay. James. Uh, mm-hmm.
4: But yeah, yeah, there is a, an explosive like uh, wall of sound that emanates from the cargo bay uh to hopefully summon somebody uh, this is also maybe a check to see if anybody who isn't currently carabined into their seat is actually available to assist they might not be
1: i mean well the the crew to the Uhuru is huge mm. like it, it really is like for to maintain any pirate ship especially one where boarding is your general martial strategy like having a large crew is absolutely necessary for that
4: the crew Mm. is Um, certainly big to huge understood yeah Uh, does anybody show up in short order
1: well, am I? Is, uh, yeah, is Travis still with the captain? I can't. Remember.
4: You, you. I think you were like shortly behind the
1: captain okay. in all of this. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, like we, we, you will be next. Like I, I think you are able to hear like scrambling above deck. Like there is probably a moment of tension between you and the rowdy R's in the room with you. I, I want to know, Johnny, since Travis would be like shortly at the entrance to the door uh, of this scene. What what does Travis do?
2: You said there are some Rowdy R's around me
1: still? Yeah, they're, they're certainly around Oromar. I think this is the highest density concentration of Rowdy R's that exists on the Uhuru right now.
2: I mean, since it's kind of go- going down, can I just start trying to shoot them? <laughs> All right. Like, yeah. You know, it's we're done. We're done. We're done playing. We all know what's going on. It's time to just start dispatching with some Rs.
1: I like this a lot. Like the 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 Rowdy Rs in this circumstance. You know, they have seen Oromar kill Rocco. They are alone in the room with Orimar right now, but Ormar's clearly using some strange fell powers. And they saw Rocco in the water get torn apart by these seals. So they know that like you can't just jump ship at this point because you will also probably be killed by these murder seals. They don't really have a way out. They're surrounding the captain. The captain has just called for backup. There is this tense moment where collectively they are trying to decide what to do. And then a shot rings out. So Johnny, roll that attack. I will. Because you know what? I have
2: my character sheet open.
1: Oh. Nice. Hey.
2: Um <laughs> and this would be ranged light, correct? Mhm. Okay. That's Hey, that's pretty good. What's the difficulty on this? Is that 2 or 3? 2. Ah, uh, yes. This would be three advantages and a failure.
1: Mm. Ah. Mm. <laughs> Okay, so Johnny, you are not going to hit any person with this, but you are, I think, going to hit something that causes a massive, like, distraction or bit of confusion. What do you think that is?
2: We're in, like, a, car- a cargo-type area, right? Yes. Is there some sort of cargo... or I mean, are we maybe transporting a bunch of chickens that can break out or something that is like... Johnny, I've got the perfect solution for two, Maybe two guys carrying a big pane of glass across.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They're always carrying it. (laughs) (laughs) They never put it down. (laughs) This is a cargo... (gasps) That's how the
2: Uhuru crew trains. (laughs) I just thought of of something, but if you have something good...
1: Mm -hmm. Why why don't you hit me with yours? I'd rather...
2: What if we have griffin eggs in here?
1: Interesting. Interesting. That would be like so valuable. Like that 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 would be thousands upon thousands of bars. Like interesting. To, to be. Okay. Um what what I'm gonna say? This is the Griffin roost, essentially, on the ship, and you do have to clean that, which means there can be big bags full of feathers. Um,
2: oh. <gasps> yes. Mm. Okay. Then, yeah. Then maybe I hit some of those that you know, and feathers are everywhere. Which is that's a good. Time. <sighs> that's
3: fun.
1: Yeah, I, I think like one of these explodes, and the air fills with feathers that's one of your four shots and we are still tracking ammo so yeah like the air explodes and fills with feathers nathan i think from orimar we got what i would essentially call a maneuver Mm. uh in in calling for the crew but you still have an action now now that this chaos yes in fact
4: let's have that narrative effect also have a mechanical one i would like to use one of my talents inspiring cry which, once per encounter, uh, your character may use this talent to allow allies within medium range to re-roll any number of blue when they make a check until the end of the following round. Um, So, yeah, uh, Mr. Matago is getting hype from this, like, or at least, um, hmm, can can I have the ally be, you know, because the crew get a turn, Mm -hmm. can that be the crew's blue?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Mm. What do you? What would you like the crew to do? And would you like a a specific named character to lead? Yeah,
4: um, I think Nodos was on grapple duty. What has Wendell yep. been doing?
1: Uh, Wendell was last we checked in carabinered onto the main mast, mm-hmm. but that that has been a while ago. So w- it could be Wendell.
4: Yeah, um, if the if the ship is now settled and we're no longer doing acrobatics, I think Wendell hears the call from the whistle and uh, kind of does a big Superman leap off the. Off- <laughs> <laughs> off the main mast and starts heading to aid so yeah if wendell has any blue on their kind of any advantages on their kind of like a attack stuff they get to reroll them
1: i mean you know that's uh i think we're going to we're, we're gonna play a fast and loose with the mm-hmm. rules a little bit and we're gonna say wendell wendell is a person who loves a fight mm. um Spoiling for a fight was hoping that we were going to be boarding the Silver Bullet or that they were going to give borders to the Uhuru to fight. And that didn't pan out. But hearing a distress whistle from the cargo bay. Wendell leaps into action. So you're going to be rolling for Wendell mm-hmm. uh, two green, a yellow die and a blue die for their actions. I think he's able to move through the levels of the ship very quickly. I feel like most ships are designed with like kind of that open cargo hold mm-hmm. and he just jumps down into it. Uh, and then very quickly, you know, makes his way from the Lido deck down to the Baja. Mm-hmm. And and joins you in in the cargo hold. So yeah, what what is he doing? And
4: uh, yeah, I, I think this is a, in a similar fashion to Travis, kind of going for the shot immediately. Wendell just bursts through the cloud of feathers, just already swinging.
1: Great, great, yeah. <laughs> R- roll, roll against it up. two this purple. Against two purple. Yeah, Got this it. is like just a brawl check.
4: It is a wash with one advantage just wash yeah.
1: with one advantage okay um let's see how this complicates this
4: yeah scene. the yellow the yellow dye didn't pan out this time
1: oh damn y'all we've got the union we strike a bargain, but we'll strike the target the middle and the wind. Is
2: a deafening sound
1: which is mm-hmm. a really really interesting thing here the union is all about people working together mm. so I kind of think what this signals to me is that I think in this fight people who are you know working together specifically because they are invested in one another's safety are going to be just doing more damage mm-hmm. um, which is a double-edged sword but yeah i think wendell uh, tears into the cargo room and, and the thing about wendell is wendell has a necromantic arm mm-hmm. that was reanimated he can't feel it but he's very powerful with it so i i think he you know swings down from one of the rafters bursts into the room and takes a swipe at one of the rowdy r's who stumbles backward in surprise. His arm, I think, like, cleaves clear through a wooden crate, sending splinters into the air. There's just a big explosion of activity around everyone, but somehow nobody's gotten hurt quite yet. Mm -hmm. With this now, I would like to... I'm going to check in with Gable, top deck. Liz, what's Gable up to?
3: (laughs) I don't know, just sort of you know, daydreaming, uh, thinking about, you know, the life and how relationships are going. Uh, How far can we from the deck see where the cargo went?
1: Yes. That is one of the things that people did as as soon as the birds started launching and they heard the cargo jump into the water is the spotlights, the people on the spotlights uh, on the deck have turned those lights to track the cargo in the water. Okay.
3: Also, do we still have like Human bodies in our balloon.
1: Definitely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yucky.
3: That's right. That's yucky. <laughs> so Cable's going to do two things. First of uh, all, we're going to let down lines off the back of the boat to – I think we're assuming the cargo hold is busy right now, so we're going to let down some lines for John at whenever he gets there um, mm-hmm. to hook up to the boat so we can lift off if we – very quickly need to, and in the interest of Ooh. lifting off very quickly if we need to, oof, I think there is no easy way right now to get into the balloon to get rid of these bodies. So I sure. think Gable is going to instruct our furnacemen to go full heat to burn and cremate the bodies. Yes.
4: <laughs> Carlos is delighted.
1: Ooh. I Ooh. don't think that would work but you do need to go full burn like that that is a good order nonetheless like part of the 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 reason that you were burning that that special material in the first place is it is a caustic material that is probably doing a lot of that work to to burn out the bodies anyway chemically mm-hmm. you're still going to have to like s- scrape off nasty bone sludge and I mean, whatnot.
3: Let's get the liquids of the bodies up and down. <laughs> <laughs> let,
1: let, let's goosh those boys get, a bit. Get, get um, them a little gushy. Gable like, signals the order to, to go full heavy burn, and our furnacier character, who we had created a, a really yeah. cool aesthetic for. They had big um,
4: shiny goggles and uh, incredibly well-manicured fingernails, mm-hmm. I think purple. <laughs> This is a Nathan original. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, More than happy
0: to do that for you. <laughs> All right. But oh my God. That you're... sounds straight out of like a StarCraft.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if we click on him like six times, he says something really like kind of silly.
3: Carlos, to i Shannon Burns. Oh, thank you so much for your enthusiasm. Are you okay? Are you okay? <laughs> I must admit this is all relatively stressful. Oh good. All right. Well we'll talk about it later. Never mind. I just thought. (laughs) Okay, you you do you. All right. We're gonna throw some lines on get in the cargo. Have fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well dear. Yeah, we see
1: like a close-up of their faces, like, you know, people are ordered to like pull aside the shutter for the furnace. And just like the glow of the flames dance off of their goggles and and bright teeth in the night. And it's all very grim and intimidating. Um. (laughs) Let's let's move back to Jonnet. Jonnet, you are now moving fast. You are within range of both the cargo, the enemy birds. What do you do? So I think
0: Jonnet is going to, well, first off, <laughs> Jonnet kind of went into that dive a little like 75%, but uh, Metatron is given 100. And so he's like, he's very much like, okay, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm awake, I'm all right, we're not done yet, we're not done. And so then he's going to get... Very close to the water is going to give one of a very uh, a very cool uh, like swoop into the water. There's a little bit of like a a kick up of water on uh, Metatron's like claw, but he's going to pick the rightmost lantern. I don't know which of that if that's a Greco, a Swift, or a pigeon. I feel like John might not be able to tell, but he's just like the one on the right is mine, and so I think. What he's going to do is, like, are these three, or at least that right one, is there any room underneath from the bottom of the bird to the water? Mm-hmm. If you're hot-dogging, I think.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like, kind of, th- there's, like, a narrow gap. But mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you could probably make it.
0: Great. John, it's going to thread that needle, and he's going to use the chain of his Gama to, like, grab the legs of that bird. <laughs>
1: Oh shoot. Oh, I love this very much. Okay. Um so this is a I mean this is a, a melee attack that you're you're going to pull to decide which bird it was. I drew the maiden, so I think that favors you. I think this is like the pigeon that they managed to scramble. Great. So it's the lightest bird, it's going to be the one that's the easiest to do this to. The difficulty on this is just going to be three purple dice. The reason the difficulty is so high is that you're doing a difficult aerial yeah. maneuver at the same time. However, you're going fast right now. I like the idea that because you said, like, Metatron's going 100%, let's give you two blue dice there. You know, Metatron knows what you're going for, and they are helping with
0: it. Yeah, I think... As Jonnet is putting his game face back on, is like, all right, we're going in overtime. Jonnet starts to, like, <laughs> for whatever reason, he's going to lean to Metatron and try to describe what he's thinking of doing. And so you hear tiny little birds, like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. And so <laughs> now everyone's on the same page. What?
2: What? Every day, di- every one of them landed right on the edge. So you can't—they're <laughs> can't m- all any of
0: spinning. Them. <laughs> Stop. They're, Stop. Still,
1: they're still spinning.
0: Okay, this sucks. Um, uh, but you know what? Fine. That was that was a—I took a swing. Mm-hmm. So that is going to be two failures.
1: Okay. okay. <laughs> mm. Honestly, Jonat, here is what I think happens you are in this dive you're moving quickly you don't have a a lantern right now you start this dive this is a complicated maneuver but you are actually a really good griffin rider and this is a tricky maneuver to pull off but you definitely can do it the thing that is kind of an X factor in this whole situation is the fact that this is happening right above water. Mm. Metatron is all in to do this dive that skims above the water, but right before like you connect with the point that you need to hit to get under this bird, there is a big like bubble beneath the water as one of these seals like jumps up and bites at Metatron. Like trying to get Metatron for flying so close to the water, and you brace, and Metatron like moves and like has to actually pull out of the dive. So, yeah, you don't manage to pull this maneuver off. I I think what happened was so chaotic that also these enemy birds don't get like full eyes on you. They know that something big Mm -hmm. dived at them, but they don't know where you are. So, that's, like, the consolation that you get out of this. But, yeah, it doesn't work out.
0: Yeah, I think that happens, and then John, clenched, like, braces and, like, fights the urge to, to, like, scream or, like, exclaim because he knows he's still trying to have some kind of, like, secrecy and trying to get the jump a little bit. But also, under his breath, he's like, what the f
3: was that? Yeah.
1: Campaign Skyjacks is a One-Shot Network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing.
0: Welcome to Character Creation Cast, a show where we create and discuss characters, the best part of role-playing games, with guests using their favorite systems. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Bolter.
3: And I'm your other host, Amelia Antrim. Join us as we sit down with game designers, podcasters, and fans of games as we dive into learning about different RPGs through the lens of character creation. It's a combination of character building, player advice, game design insights, and even a little bit of fan fiction for a different game every month. We tackle a variety of new and old games, both well-known and indie-produced titles.
0: We learn how creating characters can tell us a lot about the games themselves. Check us out today anywhere you can get podcasts or on the One Shot Podcast Network at OneShotPodcast.com.
1: You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Like Neo Scum. Neo Scum is a narrative comedy podcast featuring five Chicago improvisers antagonizing their way through the role-playing classic Shadowrun. It follows a group of misfits and outsiders, Z, an acerbic cyber-troublemaker, Pox, the candy-junkie klepto from across the pond, Tech Wizard, the public-access actor with a petulant thirst for adventure, and Dak Rambo, the nastiest trucker this side of the Robo Mason Dixon. Join the irascible Neoscum crew on a puerile and road trip through a weirdo world of tomorrow, doling out street justice to every deep they encounter, whether they deserve it or not. Jonat Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. He also co-stars and consults on Showtime's Work in Progress. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at LizAnderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcasts, Bill Buds and Dilettante Ball. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at Phantom Arts Ent. You can also find them streaming on twitch.tv TheNeonCaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him on Twitter over at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. You can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony, or on his podcast, Neo Scum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The world of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show uses a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system, designed by Sam Stewart, and a team of talented professionals who were fired by the private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games
3: strangers who've ever been kind and once for our friends ne'er to rise twice to the dearest we're leaving
2: behind who know we can never deny the call of the sky